you like the show, you should check out In Case You Missed It, Slate's podcast about internet culture. It's a show for people who have a healthy relationship with the internet, made by people who definitely do not. It's hosted by Slate's Madison Malone Kircher and Rachel Hampton. Twice a week, they'll explore what's trending at the top of your feeds, investigate the ghosts of internet past, and help you sound like the smartest person in your group chat. Episodes drop every Wednesday and Saturday. Search I-C-Y-M-I wherever you get your podcasts. That's I-C-Y-M-I. This is a podcast that's extremely online, so you don't have to be. Well, good morning. Hi. Hi, Alicia. Hi. Hola, hola. I miss you. Alicia, where are you? I miss you guys. You guys look great and radiant. I'm in Puerto Rico. <gasps> oh, and tell us why. Do you guys know that sound on TikTok with Anthony Ramos going, Puerto Rico? No? Is that just, is that Latin TikTok only? Yes. Mm. I'm in Puerto Rico and I'm very happy to be here. Oh my God. Well, we miss you here on the orange couch. Alicia is filming a show because she's a big, big little. She's a Hollywood star. star. How are my sisters doing in LA? Holding it down. We're good. We're good. We're just live laughing and loving. I feel abnormally far from Josie right now. We're social distancing. Mm. We're social distancing for mm. no reason other than social distancing. Whatever that means for us. <laughs> The year 2020 was the year Miley Cyrus came out with the hit album, Plastic Hearts. And just last week, she came out with a new album called Endless Summer Vacation. And later today, we're going to be talking about our thoughts, comments, questions, concerns about the album. But we also want to get into all the hot, juicy fucking tea that's happened in the last week because a lot of shit's gone down and we have a lot to say about it. So with that, what's happened? Let's get into it. I want to talk about what you guys care about, what's happening in the world. I'm gagged mm. and bound. Okay. Over the lieutenant governor of Tennessee, who is an elder man. How old? At the ripe age of 79. Jesus Lord. Okay. And he has, you know, he's spoken about against gay marriage. He's supported anti LGBTQ bills. He most recently has been caught commenting on some twinks. Instagram profile. Please. There's one. I mean, it is like emojis and fire emojis. Fire emojis and hearts. And he literally commented on one shirtless pic of this guy. He like commented under like a half naked photo of him being like super fine look. And then also the twink is responding to him in these comments and is like, Thank you. You've always been so kind to me. So they have like a relationship. They're familiar. And didn't he also comment like GQ, someone called GQ. He's like, this is a great photo, Finn. I think that's the guy's name. Finn, good job. This is incredible work. We're so proud of you. Finn is gay. He's a gay, as gay as it gets. And this lieutenant governor is just such a hypocrite. Randy commented. He said, and I quote, Finn, who's the twink? You can turn a rainy day into rainbows and sunshine. Is that what you want, Randy? <laughs> Do you want rainbows? <laughs> Do you want your day to be turned into rainbows, sir? Because all you have to do is is just come out, I guess, Randy. And then why, when they asked his office 
what was going on because it was really oh. weird and unprofessional. He said what? He said, <clears throat> this is the official response from their office. Trying to imply something sinister or inappropriate about a great-grandfather's use of social media says more about the mind of the left-wing operative making the implication that it does about Randy McNally. You know what? Um, Denial is a river, river in, in Egypt. Egypt. Your, Your lieutenant governor, governor is, is gay. gay. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that on that. And there's no other discussion. Okay, so moving on. For me, this man has always been the moment, but now is just getting his flowers, and that man would be Jonathan Majors. Ooh. I have been in love with him ever since I saw The Last Black Man in San Francisco. Because mm. that movie literally did change my life. This man has like such a beautiful story and is like currently making history. He's a part of three movies out right now, Devotion, Ant-Man for Marvel, and Creed Three. And Creed and Ant-Man both are like at the top of the box office, which makes him like one of the first black men that can say that, that he has two movies running right now in theaters, like as we speak, that are like grossing a ridiculous amount. But yeah, he really is the moment. Like he was just the cover of Ebony. Him and Michael have been like all over variety and everything else. Um, and it's just really beautiful. Like he really is the moment. Every black woman on the planet is talking about Jonathan Majors. I think... Jonathan Majors has carved himself into stone in the zeitgeist mm -hmm. of Hollywood. Mm. I think yeah. now every single studio is not pitching names without including Jonathan Majors. Yeah. I think he's one of the most talented people to come up right now. Agreed. And I'm so glad that you brought him up. He is not only ridiculously talented, but I fangirl over his story. You know, he went to college for acting, knew he wanted to be an actor since high school and then got himself to an Ivy League, was unhoused, like always knew that he wanted to do this, is really like symbolic with the way that he decides to like hold his little teacup everywhere. I could not be more obsessed with him. I don't. Do you guys know the story about his teacup? No, yeah. tell us. That he carries on the red carpets and stuff. He was talking about it on a late night show because everyone's like, why do you always have this cup with you? Like he'll walk on red carpets, he'll go to premieres and he has his cup with him. And he said, well, like growing up, my mama always said like, you know, mind your cup at a party, like when he was going out at college. But then also she always was like, kind of stay true to who you are. And he sees that as like being mindful of his like vessel mm. and like making sure that he's always adamant about like doing things with the right intentions and not wanting to get like lost in the superficiality of entertainment and stuff. And I think it's genuinely one of the best to be doing it like ever. I think he's one of the most phenomenal actors of our generation. I think he's so special and I'm glad that he's finally getting his recognition, like with being a part of like multiple franchises and making history, having like what four movies out right now, like as we speak, but I, I could not be more obsessed with him. Also, him and Michael at the Oscars. Yeah, Kind of wow. giving that nod to Angela after she had lost her Oscar. Yeah. And them just being like, hey, we love you. I thought was really special. And just yep. like, you know, the epitome of black love and like acknowledging your ancestors in that way. But I love him so much. Did you guys see the trailer for No Hard Feelings? It's Jennifer Lawrence in this film about parents of like this kid who's characterized as an unfuckable teenager that hires Jennifer Lawrence to sort of date him, court him, and fuck him? Fuck him. His parents hire Jennifer Lawrence. Wait, he's not a teenager, He's right? 19. Okay, so he's, he's 19. A teenager. Yes, he's 19. And here's my thing about this film. 
if I would have seen Jennifer Lawrence come out with this movie in 2016, yep. 2015, I'm loving it. Mm. Yep. I think yeah. that if I want to see Jennifer Lawrence's return after she's been gone for so long, I want it to be at the level of like a triangle of sadness. Yes. Or yes. Something yeah, like not some this. foreign alt comedy film yeah like if it's gonna be comedy i think it should be like absurdist on that level of like satire because i think she's so incredibly talented and i want more from her than like a seth rogan comedy which i love seth rogan but i think this being her reintroduction is it's very jarring and i think it could either go one of two ways i think it could either do really really well in theaters and it could get a lot of people in there or I think it could just tank because it also seems a little problematic. It was just really weird to watch. It was just very odd because it's like these two parents. They were basically trying to tell her, we're hiring you because she's also an Uber driver in the movie to fuck our son and to kind of get him ready for college. And in the movie, they have to actually like start like doing things. And I'm like, she's like proper 30 years old in the movie. yeah, And like she has a job. She's an adult. And I just think... If it were a man and a woman and they were posing this movie, there would be more uproar. Mm. It kind of gives me American Pie vibes in like okay. that genre, which I don't love mm. for her. I just don't see the point of it. And I know not everything has to have a deeper meaning. Not everything has to have a point. Some things can just be slapstick comedy. I think that's great. But just this was, I just think if it was an older man with a younger woman, like we see it with Leonardo DiCaprio and every one of his girlfriends, like it makes people uncomfortable. And it's just weird. It's just weird. Jennifer Lawrence specifically, one, is just ridiculously talented. But two, she's talked about like wanting to slow down and wanting to do things that were like really intentional with her career. So I'm like, there has to be a reason that she gravitated like toward the script and decided to do this. On the other hand too, it is exciting to see her play something more similar to her personality because mm. we never mm. see Jennifer Lawrence being like herself in films. Like she, it's always a darker character or troubled, more normal person. And she is more similar to that. Yeah. In real life. So I'm excited to see it. However, I want more. I want mm. more from mm -hmm. horror. Ooh. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Also, J-Law for White Lotus. J-Law for White Lotus 3. Ooh. Okay. Who would you guys cast in your dream White Lotus season? Oh. What a good question. Should we draft our picks? Let's draft our picks. I have my number one person. Go on. Who I think, and, I, and I'll say for many reasons why. I think, A, she earned her right to be on screen for a significant amount of time. She put her back into showing everything, including her bare back. And also, she just has, like, an incredible personality. So I think Pamela Anderson most definitely a hundred percent. A hundred percent. Her doc, absolutely. Yes, Pamela Anderson for White Lotus season three. Okay, who else? I have Kiki Palmer. Not yes. a surprise. Yes. Yeah. I think she'd be amazing. I think her reactions alone, like I wouldn't even want her to say anything. I would just want her to sit there and give her um, gagged expressions. Tay Diggs. Yeah. Interesting. Like if you watch his TikToks, he is out of his mind. And I think that that would be great on White Lotus. 
And my last draft as of now, I'm still working on it, is Lakeith Steinfeld. I was thinking that too. I love Lakeith to be like the dark, mysterious. Lakeith on a remote island. Yes, with the most eccentric ass people like Kiki and Tay Diggs would be so good. You know who would also be good? Terry Crews. I say Terry Crews also, right? Wouldn't Terry Crews? Terry Crews would Terry eat. Terry Crews. Insane. And like kind of similar to his white chick's character, like Terry Crews, but he's like... He fetishizes drag queens secretly on the side, yes, even yes, though he has yes. a devout Christian wife played by Sherry Shepard. Yes. And then another one, we're forgetting a major comedy duo, Rami Youssef and Mo Amr, the two Arabs that are just there trying to have a good time. They wouldn't even make it to the hotel because they wouldn't get I'm past you. But I think, I think they come in later to the whole season because of the whole TSA problem. And they have airport security lead them into the White Lotus Hotel. And there's constantly security watching them. And one of them dies. But I think, the, I don't know. I just know that one of them is going to die in it. No, That's they would be amazing. No, I don't want either. Of them I just to feel die. like a two best friend duo cast, kind of guys. having their life. Pamela Anderson is kind of having her Jennifer Coolidge little yeah. moment from season one of trying to find herself after her mom yeah. dies. And I just feel like also I'll pitch myself and you and you right now. Alicia Pascual Pena, Josie Toda, and Yasmin Hamidi for White Lotus season three. It's insane to see how the Latina girlies are losing their shit on TikTok because Bad Bunny. <gasps> And Kendall Jenner were like confirmed to be on a date oh my and to gosh. be kissing in West Hollywood because there was just speculation and the TikToks are having me rolling because mm. it's like all of these skits of like Latinas like burning pictures of Benito. El oh, Conejo yeah, Malo. yeah, yeah. Like obviously he's so famous. He's so famous for being like Latinos, Latinos, like the, everybody wants to be us like in a really beautiful way and being super vocal and bold and um, especially being here in Puerto Rico, like I find myself randomly having conversations about him mm. with crew members and stuff. And it's so funny. What are the actual Puerto Ricos saying about it? They're heartbroken. They're embarrassed. It's a tragedy. And if anything, they're making vulgar jokes that I couldn't say on this podcast about like, are the Jenners doing Santeria? Like, please. Like, <laughs> are the Jenners of the world? They have a chokehold on our men of color. Like, like they abuelas really are praying for Benito in Puerto Rico. They're very sad about it. It is like their mourning, which is hilarious. And yeah, it is fascinating to hypothesize what they're talking about because he very openly explains that he doesn't speak English well. And I don't think that Kendall Jenner speaks Espanol. So, pero yeah, the, the girls are crying in the club and that's what's happening in this Latina corner. The girls are crying in the club. Transitioning and another reason why the girls are crying in the club is because the one, the only, Miley Cyrus came out with a new album, Endless Summer Vacation. I just want to preface this by saying I love Miley Cyrus. Yes, love Miley Cyrus. I think she's one of the most incredible vocalists. I genuinely do. I think that she's one of the most special artists of our generation, and I mean that. This album did disappoint me. Go. It felt like it was feigning alternative, but at its best, existed in the 2012 mm. Miley Cyrus days where she was on the Disney Channel with songs like Jaded. I think the best song on the album by far is You. It reminds me of yeah the Lady Gaga song, 
you and I. It's yes, like a, like yes. a, a, a low, like a back, a, what is it called? A, a low tempo? A low tempo jazz rendition. Yeah, like a ballad and like a low tempo sort of like rock moment. I think she was at her highest when she was leaning into her rock. I, agree. I think I was shocked, mm. confused, oh, and appalled that she didn't lead more into like actual of her rock side. Instead, I feel like it took a lot of weird turns yeah. technologically that I didn't necessarily appreciate. But maybe that's just me. Also, I think it should have just been called Flowers. I don't think it should have been called Endless Summer Vacation. It sounds like a collection of like Justice I was gonna Summer say, Wear. Like, it doesn't sum- feel like that's the name of a Miley Cyrus album that we've waited for for so long. Endless Summer Vacation sounds like a Marc Jacobs perfume. I think Miley is an icon. Mm-hmm. I think she's great. I'm a fan of her. But I'm going to keep it a whole buck. Stylistically, I, I like enjoyed listening to the album, but I wasn't like, oh my gosh. Like, it's not like an album I have on repeat. And I think you guys know me very well. Like, when I love something, it's like all I want to listen to that week. But yeah, I kind of like the direction that she took. It feels like she's really making music like for herself, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, she was going to make shit that she liked. Like, Wonder Woman was cool. You was cool. It didn't feel like, I guess also, that's why you just shouldn't have preconsumptions about things. Cause I went into it being like, oh, like the name of the album, like, ooh, like this is gonna be like summer bangers. Um, and it wasn't really that, but I liked it. I think she's cool. I think she's leaning into like being authentically herself, which is awesome. And I commend any artist for like being vulnerable. When I think endless summer vacation, I think Rollin' by Calvin Harris. Yes, that whole album. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think yeah, Sly. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't think weird like yeah, All, it's it's no, a groove. Ballad. I also think I'm the one. Yeah, DJ Khaled, Quavo, Justin Bieber. That's what I think. Or Wild, Wild Thoughts. Thoughts. That's Wild an endless summer, summer vacation. Santana. I'm sorry. Work Jaded is a is summer not... song. Like these weren't consideration. These consideration. weren't like summer songs. Like these were like Violet Chemistry, Muddy Feet, Wild yeah. Card. Also, I have a theory, and I want to pitch it to both of you. Okay, please. Pitch so this, the I'm, gonna, I'm yeah. gonna play the first 30 seconds of Wonder Woman. Okay. Which is the second to last song on her album. Yeah. And this is what I see. She's a wonder woman. All right, you heard that? It's really pretty. <clears throat> In the eyes of an angel. Of an angel. Away. And all of a sudden, I'm seeing Sarah McLaughlin in a humble home with a dog on her lap talking about the animal abuse that's happening in the United States. That's what's happening when I listen to In the Eyes of an Angel, Wonder Woman. That's my thoughts. And then I just feel like the whole album was, it's, it's they're all the same song, but different beats. Does that make sense? It's all very similar tones. I think in her highest moment, she gives knock off Santa Monica Boulevard version of Casey Musgraves. Ooh. And I'm okay with that, but it's not Casey Musgraves. That's no, it's not. And also Plastic Hearts was so good. But it was niche. But maybe that's what's that's good great. about it. I agree it with you. Specific and because it had intention and because it had identity. It had, it had identity. Or this feels a little non-specific. It's very Walmart art pop of Lady Gaga. Mm. It's very much like she had Brandy Carlisle and Sia on it. Last time she had Joan Jett. She had Stevie Nicks. She had Billy Joel. I didn't know we were still using Sia features. Like, we're done with that. 
Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to rate the top six. Why six? We don't know. Top six Miley Cyrus songs that's ever been put out. And this is not in any specific order. These are just the best six. And if you disagree, tell us why. And you're probably wrong. So number one. I think you can't rate the top best Miley Cyrus songs without including We Can't Stop. Also, can we make a collective decision? Are we doing covers as well? Yes. Are we? Oh, great question. Because that changes everything for me. If we're doing covers, then Heart of Glass is like number one. I'm number one. Number one. Absolutely. Also, Fade Into You is on there as well. Two of those songs are covers, but they are her best vocal renditions that I've ever seen of her. And they're incredible. I'll meet you halfway, right? Let's have We Can't Stop and Heart of Glass. Fade Into You will have to be for a next time. Because there's so many other songs that we need to have. Fade Into You is insane. Fade Into You is amazing. But I say maybe let's not include this in the the list. If we want to get a good range of like her whole discography. So I'd say Heart of Glass is number one. But this is not even in any specific order. It's Heart of Glass, 100%. We Can't Stop. Oh, okay, okay, okay. And I'm also thinking See You Again. Hannah Montana, See You Again. Or we could do Miley Cyrus, Seven Things. I... Thing. Seven things oversee you. Yeah, I think seven things. I think the climb has to be in there for yeah. sure. Okay, so we're going to have... It has to be. It is part of history. The biggest anthem. We all were singing it crying. Ballad of all time. That song and... Um, when I Look at You. No. That song and... Um, this is real. This is me. I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. I'm going to let the light This on. is me, Demi Lovato, Camp yes. Rock. Where my yes. childhood anthems. Yes. Like if I had to cry in the shower and like want to blow mm-hmm. my eyes away with tears, mm-hmm. I would blow your nose really hard. The climb not only was like being played everywhere, but I feel like no matter like what color you were, like if you were under 15, like I would say 15 and under, you were obsessed with that song. Yeah. I personally had that song on replay so much so that like my family members knew every word to that song it became much bigger than just like a disney song like i feel like when that movie came out my mom was like oh, this is a disney movie yeah no and because of its popularity like it became a, a part of our childhood i agree i think every girl sang it for an audition like like every girl sang it at a talent show like the climb was that girl also it's objectively a good song like that's why like it it's it it's good. a good it's a good like grit song like it's a song that you feel like you can like climb lyrics. anything always lyrically another mountain. mountain it's gonna wanna make and then, and then the violins gonna be and then also I have to say I have to bring it back so we have and her yelling at the end yeah but I also want to say I'm gonna pitch Prisoner from Plastic Hearts with I, Dua Lipa I agree I, I can't really that good. is I'm sorry mm. one of the best songs I'm like is it top six though Yes. Prisoner, prisoner, lock up, prisoner. can't get you off I know my the song. mind. You just want to dance. I don't know if it's Come top on, six. it's so good. You have Dua Lipa and, and Miley Cyrus um, in one song. I'm going to keep it a buck. Mm. I'm so I sorry. I love them both, but her top six. I agree, but I think before I put Party in the USA, which is the most patriotic song 
in American history, dare I say, more patriotic than the national anthem itself. Okay, so you national heard it here anthem. first. Josie, what did you say? It Look is. in the camera and say exactly what you said. I just think Party in the USA has to be on there. I think it's such a good song. I think it brings I agree. Republicans and twinks alike together everybody is so happy just when that song comes on when that song comes on you have nancy pelosi shaking hands with marjorie taylor green no you don't and tulsi gabbard no you don't licking the face of mike pence who's hugging who's who's humping trevor noah and everybody literally wants to be happy when party in the usa comes on i hopped off a plane next time we're at some sort of dispute in congress play party in the usa it's gonna be a party if they had just played party in the usa on january 6th i bet they would have gone home i'm screaming no insurrection no honestly the insurrection would have not happened if party of the usa or happened, they would have just brought red solo cups and be and like sandwiches let's have with a crust party it's the way in which she knew that she was bringing in the country together it's the cunt the, the cunt she treat. brought the whole cunt in she brought she, i guess that cunt get any in i guess that cunt get any in it's two on two azalea banks mm-hmm. yeah 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 song. No, please. It's very much she can solve world hunger no. with Party in the USA. And I, and I stand by that. Okay, so we have Plastic Hearts. We have The Climb. We have Party in the USA. And we have... Seven Things I Hate About You. We Can't Stop. Breaks Like a Heart. See you again. I don't think... With Mark no, Ronson, no, I don't wait, think... Wait, so we have five. It's between Wrecking Ball and Adore You. I think Wrecking Ball. Th- Wrecking Ball was why is that? Wrecking Ball. The reason why I think Wrecking Ball over Adore You is because Adore You is just the same thing over and over again. I love you. I adore you. Wrecking Ball. She gave her heart, and I think that performance of her with ball. a Wrecking Ball. You're right. I know, like the way she was sobbing with red lipstick, and she she gave everything in that song, and I think that can't go unnoticed. Mm-hmm. Also, it became like a cultural moment. Everyone was doing it as a skit. Everyone was all dressing the memes, up as her. All the memes like naked with Doc ball. Martens on top of a wrecking ball. That was incredible. What a time to be alive in America. Yeah. She is weirdly one of the most influential yeah. singers of our generation. Whether we like it or not, she actually is. We've watched her grow up. It's crazy to think, like, looking back, like, I went to go watch the Hannah Montana movie, like, about her life when I was a kid mm. in theaters. And... She was 14 selling out stadiums, like, quote unquote, as two characters, right? Like as Miley and as Hannah, like, that's insane. And then we watched her grow up and she was like at the scrutiny of press. And like we watched her in all of these phases and like they were each iconic. Everybody was talking about it, whether you agreed with it or not. You know, these are bangers. These songs took me back. I completely agree. I think like if we start all the way from when we were younger, from the Hannah Montana moment, she created brands with Justice and Limited Two back in the day. People all the time wanted to dress up as her. I remember I would sing Best of Both Worlds when I was younger, and I just wanted to be Hannah Montana so badly. And then she started doing the last song where she met her ex-husband, and that movie was one of the saddest movies ever, and she gave in that performance too. And then she started singing, and she has her own foundation for LGBTQ youth, Happy Hippie. She does so many good things. She's outspoken about shit, and she's, she's genuinely such a brave woman. And can I say, she's my favorite type of nepotism baby. Dolly Parton's goddaughter, Billy Ray Cyrus's daughter, that is a nepo baby I will stand by. And I stand by that. 
I agree. I think she's so iconic. I think the world changed when we saw her at the MTV VMAs with Robin, Robin Thicke. Thicke. That oh my was gosh. a shift. Remember when she was twerking Return with her little butt? And control. It was crazy. She was gyrating on him. That, that with the was, foam finger when she yeah. was fucking herself. And those teddy bears finger. came out. They changed all of us forever. We're not the same because of it. Bangers? So regardless of this album being the best one of her discography or one of the best of this year. Which we all agree isn't. She remains one of the most influential, yep. talented vocalists of our generation. And this album that may have not hit the highest highs that we thought it was going to surely doesn't change that. Completely agreed with that. So with all that said, we have come to the conclusion that the top six Miley Cyrus songs ever are We Can't Stop, Heart of Glass, The Climb, Party in the USA, Wrecking Ball, and Prisoner. Let us know what you think. What an episode. What a great hot topic week that we have discussed and talked about. Alicia, we miss you. I miss you guys. Josie, you're standing, sitting right here. It hurts. But it was good. It was good to catch up, hear what's going on in the world. The weird, the good, the bad. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Until next time. We'll see you soon. Make sure to like, subscribe, download, and rate, dare we say, on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Music, and Stitcher. Thank you. We'll see you next week. Dare We Say is a Crooked Media production. Caroline Reston is our showrunner, producer, and mommy. And Ari Schwartz is our producer and show daddy. Fiona Pastana is our associate producer. And Sandy Gerard is the almighty executive producer. It's hosted and produced by me, Josie Toda. And me, Yasmin Hamadi. And me, Alicia Pascual Peña. Vasilis Fotapolis and Charlotte Landis, they are both our engineers. Brian Vasquez is our editor and theme music composer. Our video producers are Matt DeGroote, Nar Melkonian, and Dylan Villanueva and Mia Kalman. Lastly, thank you to Jordan Silver, Gabriella Leverett, Jesse McLean, Caroline Haywood, Shayna Hortzman, Daisy Cruz, Danielle Jensen, and Awa Okalati for marketing the show and making us look so damn good. <laughs>